Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker. I am the creator and host of the Bible in Life, and I'm grateful for you. Glad that we get to do this. It hit me recently that um, it's been a little over five years since I first started podcasting and first launched the Bible in Life podcast. And uh, it has been quite the learning uh, experience. I have learned a ton, not only on the technical side, but just about myself and the best way to do this and you all and God's faithfulness. And so it's just been an incredible experience full of um, lots of examples of God's goodness um, and experiences of discouragement and struggle. And it's just been uh, quite a journey and uh, five years. That's a long time. And so I am incredibly grateful for the opportunity to get to join you like this almost every week and to sit down and study the scriptures and reflect on some things, things I'm learning, things that I think will be beneficial to you individually, to you as a person maybe who is trying to help other people learn and live the Bible. And so what a joy it's been, and uh, I'm incredibly grateful to get to share this with you on a regular basis. And so thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks for making this a joy for me. Thanks for those of you who have sent emails, left comments, or who have rated and reviewed uh, the podcast and given uh, high ratings, high reviews, uh, sent in those notes of encouragement and all that. It's just a real blessing and a great encouragement when I hear from each and every one of you. So um, really enjoy it, and I'm glad to be here again with you on this uh, this episode of the podcast. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and I didn't intend for this to kind of turn into a little mini-series, I just talked about how I've been reading through the book of Isaiah, and what do you do when your Bible reading is blah, that sometimes you read it and it's like, man, I don't totally even get what I just read, or I'm not even sure what how to apply that to my life, and so we talked about that. Then that led to last week's episode talking about uh, how do you study the Bible and some guidance, uh, just real quick guidance on the inductive Bible study method and how you uh, really try to understand a text and make sure we're hearing what the author intended to communicate and all of that. So I want to pick up at that point because sometimes that's as far as we go um, in how we study the Bible or how even we teach people to study the Bible. I mean, I, I taught hermeneutics, which is the technical word for Bible study and the science of exegesis and all that. I taught that for like 10, 15 years at the college level to college students every single semester. Um, and uh, I've had tons of classes of various kinds on that topic. And oftentimes, my experience, both in reading books and taking classes, sometimes even in teaching my own class, that's as far as we go. We, we stop at, okay, I've taught you how to study the Bible. Now you, now you can make sure that you've understood the author's intended meaning, and bam, you got it figured out, and you know how to do word studies, and you know how to look up all this stuff, and you know how to get the background, and there you go. But this is really, really important. Um, but that's not the final objective, that is actually only sort of like the preliminary objective. That's like the initial objective. Um, we have to understand the text. We have to understand it well. 
We have to understand it rightly. We have to understand it wisely. So understanding is important. We don't want to bypass the mind, but understanding is not the final goal in our reading of Scripture. It's just preliminary. It's the initial thing. It's sort of like... um, learning the ABCs so that you can learn how to read. Learning the ABCs is important, but the ultimate goal is learning how to read, right? And so uh, learning how to dissect a passage and understand the, the passage is important, but it's not the final objective or the final goal in our reading of Scripture. So on this episode, I want to explore... Uh, What really is the final goal? What are we ultimately trying to do in the act of reading Scripture itself? And to do that, let me begin with a story from an author by the name of James Bryan Smith. A number of years ago, James Bryan Smith wrote an article telling a story he had while he was a seminary student. Now, having been a seminary student, obviously, this story really resonated with me because I could relate deeply to his own experience, how you spend so much time studying Scripture and digging into the details of Scripture and talking about things about Scripture and right, all the sort of stuff. He begins this article and this story by saying, during the second year of seminary for him, he felt like the spiritual moorings of his life came loose. And, uh, and so he decided to take a five-day silent retreat at a monastery near to where he was living at the time, hoping to reclaim some of the spiritual fervor and excitement that had been lost in all the rigors of academic study. And so this is what he says. Let me read this little section of the article. I'll actually post the whole article in the link down below. But let me just read this little section, and then I'll summarize kind of how it goes from there, maybe read a few other key points. He says, so he goes to this monastery, and up on arrival, he was assigned a monk who would serve as his spiritual director for one hour each day, asking him questions, exploring what was going on in his soul, right? Helping figure out where he was at with God, serve as a spiritual director for his five-day retreat. And so uh, he is uh, in this room waiting for this monk to show up who's going to be a spiritual director. And this monk walked into the meeting room uh, in his monk robe, but underneath his monk robe, it was very obvious he was wearing running shoes and jogging clothes. And James Bryan Smith says, and I was disappointed. I had been expecting an elderly man bearded to his knees who would penetrate my soul with searing blue eyes, and instead I got the jogging monk. And so he meets with this spiritual director. They have an initial conversation. And at the end of the conversation, the director gives uh, James Smith a one task for the, the rest of the day uh, that's supposed to occupy him as he goes back to his room to sit in silence. And that one task was meditate on the story of the Annunciation to Mary in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And so he walks back to his room wondering to himself, how in the world will I occupy my whole time with that one task, meditating on and memorizing that one chapter? He said, man, I I I felt like I could exegete that entire chapter in just a few hours. I could do that whole inductive Bible study thing in just a few hours. What was I going to do for the rest of the day by myself in silence? And so he goes back to his room, 
he opens up the, his Bible to that passage, Luke chapter 1, and he begins reading through the text, and he's splicing and dicing. He's looking at words, right? He's marking all the things, doing observations, as we talked about, asking questions, wrestling with some things in the text. He's even, you know, with his knowledge of certain things, he's coming to a few interpretive conclusions, and he's looking up some things, and he's figuring stuff out, and then he's done, and he has the rest of the day to sit there in silence. So the day comes to an end. He goes to bed. He gets up the next morning and he goes to meet with this monk who's his spiritual director to discuss his spiritual life. And when he meets with him, the monk asks him, so what happened when you read the assigned text? And James Smith says, I, I told him about all my, you know, um, exegetical insights and all the things I'd observed in the text and all the things I had learned. And I thought my discoveries might impress him, and they didn't. And here's what the monk said to him. Let me read. The monk said, well, what was your aim in reading this passage? He asked, my aim, I said, well, to arrive at the correct understanding of the text, I suppose, James Smith said. And the monk replied, well, anything else? I paused and said, well, no, what else is there? And that's, I think, a really telling question. And it's really the question that I'm wanting us to think about on this episode. What else is there? Like, is that the whole goal? Just to come to a, a correct understanding of the text to make sure we figured out what it means and what it says? Or is there something more? And this monk was really pressing and probing James Smith to, to say, well, well, don't stop there. That's all necessary. That's all good, but that's preliminary. That's like the initial work. There's more to it when you read the text. And so James Smith asked, well, no, what else is there? And here's what the monk said. He said, well, there's more than just finding out what it says and what it means. There's also questions like, listen to these questions. There's also questions like, what did it teach you? What did it say to you? Were you struck by anything? And then most importantly, did you experience God in your reading of the text? And those are some really helpful questions as we begin to think, all right, once I splice and dice and observe the text and do interpretation on the text, what do I do now? Well, this is what you do. You ask yourself these kinds of questions based on now understanding what the text is about. What does it say? What does it say to us as the people of God today? And what does it say about what God is trying to do in this world? And what does it say about me and my relationship with God and where I'm at? And, and then to engage with God in the reading of the text. And so James Smith relates how at the end of that conversation, the monk actually said, okay, go back to your room and read the exact same passage again for the day a second time. And so he's sent back to his room and um, he said, I spent several hours trying to you know, do what this monk was getting me to do, and I felt like a miserable failure, and it didn't work. Um, the next day, he meets with the monk. He, uh, he asks the monk, uh, you know, tells the monk, basically, like, I, I can't do this, I, and he felt like he was in despair. And the monk, you know, pressed him some more and told him, you understand the text, so now go open-handed and open-hearted and just sit with God and with this text. And so he sends him back to read the text again. 
And uh, he said, I just felt like an utter failure. Here I was, a seminary student. I'm supposed to be able to study the Bible. And I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And finally, in his despair and in his failure, he gives up. And all of a sudden, in that moment of kind of brokenness and humility, he said, I turned back to the text. And I felt like all of a sudden the words looked different, even though they were incredibly familiar. And then God began to meet with me. And when we read the text of Scripture, yes, we want to understand it. Yes, we want to dig in. Yes, we want to study it. We want to make sure we correctly grasp what the text is about, right? Like, we don't want to bypass understanding. So many mistakes have been made from bypassing understanding, right? Not only personal mistakes, but in... But also in like church Bible studies, small groups where no one actually understands the text. And what it leads to is group grope where everyone's just talking about what they feel and what they think. And then you're off tangent and there's nothing. We don't want to bypass understanding, but we also don't want to stop at understanding. There's more to reading the Bible than just grasping the original meaning. And the wisdom of the jogging monk is that more. Like, now that you understand the text, go back to it. Read it afresh. Read it prayerfully. And read it to experience God in your reading of the text. The uh, classic phrase for this kind of reading is Lectio Divina, which is simply a Latin phrase that means divine reading or sacred reading. It's reading the text not merely to understand it, but reading it to experience God, to engage with God, to let God speak to you through the text. And so, uh, yes, sometimes our Bible reading is blah. Yes, we need to make sure we understand what the text is saying in its original context. We need to understand the intent of the author and what he's trying to communicate to the original audience and, and all of that. We have to do that. But we don't want to stop there. Once we have that, we want to come back to the text and we want to slowly and thoughtfully and open-heartedly and prayerfully read again um, and read it slowly, maybe read it out loud. And so this idea of Lectio Divina, it's, it was, there's, you know, descriptions of it. It's been formalized, right? There's people who say, here's the steps of it. I, I'm not even so interested in the steps. And most of those who are experts in it would say the steps are more like guides, but don't treat them as like hard lines and hard stages. The, the key thing is this open-hearted, prayerful, meditative, and humble reading of the text where we begin to go back to the text and we read it afresh, we read it anew, and we begin to talk with God about what the text is saying. We begin to see things in the text that maybe resonate with where we're at spiritually, maybe things we need to know from the Lord. And we begin to um, not bypass what was originally written, but then take what was originally written and say, now, here's what that seems to be doing in me. Here's uh, something I feel like I need to talk to God about regarding that. Here's where I'm at with that. And so in the case of James Bryan Smith, um, in this moment of despair, when he finally gives up and he feels like all of a sudden God begins to meet with him there in his, his little room um, and he begins to read this text anew, 
uh, here's some of the things that happened. He says, um, as he was reading, I begin to wonder about Mary and about her feelings and her doubts and her fears and her incredible willingness to respond to God's request to, uh, you know, give birth to God's very own son, the Messiah, as a young woman in this culture. And so he says, this prompted me to ask, or perhaps the Spirit moved me to ask, about the limits of my obedience, which seemed meager in comparison to Mary's. Do not be afraid, the angel had said to Mary. And so I talked with God about fear and things maybe I was afraid of and what was holding me back from um, outright uh, devoted obedience to God. The angel also said to Mary, you found favor with God. Well, that prompted me to begin thinking about myself. And had I found favor with God? I believed I had, but not because of anything I had done, only because I was his child and he loved me and he'd been merciful to me. I wondered too about the future and about my calling. Uh, what was God wanting of me? I mean, Mary had just been informed of her destiny and and that made me wonder about mine and my destiny and maybe things God was wanting me to do. And, and uh, what, what could I do for the sake of the Lord if I, like Mary, were willing? Was I willing? And he began to turn over the scriptures over and over again, now looking at them. And the scriptures now, as he looked at this, these texts, he understood what it was originally about and what was going on. And now life began to come out of that text. And he began to turn it over and over and over again in his mind. And he began to wrestle with and talk to God about and pray about things that were said in the text to Mary and about Mary, but also intersected with where he was at in his walk with God. And he said, after about an hour of reflecting and listening, um, Mary's final words really struck me where she said, let it be done to me according to your word. And that eventually became my prayer as I sat there in silence. Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. I want to do your will. I want to follow you. Uh, the way that Mary followed you. And all of a sudden, the text took on a whole different feel and a whole new kind of life. And that really is the ultimate aim in our reading. Yes, we need to understand. It's critical that we hear it in its original context, but we don't want to stop there. Once we grasp what the text is about, we want to then prayerfully meditatively and humbly read the text again and take some of these phrases that where the Lord really uh, draws our attention to those and turn those over in our mind and begin to talk to God about those things and meditate on those phrases and begin to really engage with God in the reading of the text. Now, I have a free little course on my website um, where I, I try to model in more detail how to do this, and that's completely free. And so you can check that out under the resources tab on my johnwhitaker.net website. If you're looking for a little bit more guidance on that, it's it's uh, got four or five little videos uh, just to kind of guide you through why we should read the text this way. And then I actually just do it out loud on video in front of you how I would do it if it were me. And I take a couple of texts and model that for you. And then I talk about the importance of grace and how grace is all involved in that. So you can check that out on my website. Uh, but that's, that's the aim. That's what we're after in our reading the text. 
We want to hear the author's intended meaning, but then we want to engage with God as we meditate on that passage and meditate on that meaning and, and some of those key phrases, as James Brian Smith learned there in that, that room at the monastery with the wisdom and the guidance of the jogging monk. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. I pray it helps you read the scriptures in a fresh way, a new way. I believe the way God wants us to read the scriptures prayerfully. And so I, I pray it's a deep encouragement to you. I pray you have a wonderful week as you seek God and you walk with Jesus. And I look forward to talking with you again next week.